Hello, and welcome to the fourth season, fourth year, whatever you want to call it, of They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. You're an idiot and a fool, and I don't know why God bothered to make you. That was in the words of somebody, right? What do you mean? No. That, do, you, do you have a quote from the... Shit. No, I didn't, I didn't write a quote from the movie. Do you have anything nothing, else nothing you want to say before we we continue? I feel like you're just getting a lot out there. So, like, if you do, you want to like maybe do you want to take it back, or do you want to like say something else, or do you want to just? I can go. Put it, I'll put it this way, Corey. Um, I would not suggest going on a walk in a field with me where there is a rock roughly the size of your mouth. Ah, okay, okay. well, that's okay. I mean. I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna. I'll, I'll I'll just mute mute it when I'm crying. I guess during during the rest of the podcast. But uh, Mitch Mitch is Mitch is here, right? Yeah. In the be, words of of many 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 people in this movie. Ah ah. <laughs> how have we not done that yet? That was a nice palate cleanser from uh, Liam saying some of the meanest things I've ever heard to me. Yeah, I, th- I kind of needed it. I had an original quote, but then I was like, oh, the mood's so dour. I better just yeah. go with something else. I-, I appreciate you picking it up. I'm glad that we've buried the hatchet seemingly <laughs> from, all the- from all those times I've said dumb shit to you. Oh, well, we haven't, but uh, we can just keep going. Uh, okay, well. The hatchet is still very much above ground. Hmm. I think in this season we need to do like the WWE thing where all of a sudden different rivalries have formed and, <laughs> uh, and friendships have been mended. And so I think I'm going to be the bad guy this season. You're the, this is your heel turn? Yeah. Um, did anything in particular prompt that? Or um, Vince McMahon retiring from WWE, I suppose. And what, you're like filling his shoes? or Yeah. Or you're I... mad that he left because I don't know if you should say that latter one. <laughs> No, I don't know. The the TMAO writers will figure it out as they go. Much like the WWE Triple ones, H will they don't have a plan. We we'll, see where now, the, we'll see where it takes us. A lot of people don't know this. Triple H is now head of TMAO Creative as well. He's the king of kings. It's a dual role. Just like Jesus Christ, but like cooler and better. That's right, yeah. Don't it's time to play the game, it. everyone. We're off to a strong start. It's all about the game and how you play it. And the Romans won. Because they killed you. Okay. Uh, so new year, new us, same humor. But what that means is we are talking about that good old classic franchise we all know and love. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is back on the menu, boys. That's right. And it will be for... Uh... The foreseeable what, future. Uh, yeah, at least five more seasons to come or something. How did this tradition start, Corey? What are we doing here? Um, so well, what I know for sure is that we we started season two with a bang. That bang was uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation. Legendary piece of filmmaking. Um and then we just sort of decided that that was going to be how we started seasons. It just sort of tradition just emerges. Well, I should say before that we had done Texas Chainsaw 3D, 
Yeah, that was the first episode yeah. you and I ever recorded. It wasn't the first that came out because uh, we didn't think it was good. Right. And then yeah, I guess that's why I later. started with the released one. But you're right. I should have started there. Texas Chainsaw so. 3D was the first one. And Corey and I were just feeling sentimental at the beginning of season two. It had been a year since we did it. So we wanted to do another uh, Texas Chainsaw year to the date. And now here we are. And then uh, we blew the doors off the podcast with Next Generation. But then to to pick up the pace somewhat, because it's dawned on us that there's a lot of these movies. Uh, in the midst of the last few seasons, we've also done the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And well, that was, that was the a most season recent. premiere. Was it? Yeah, it was season, season was three. premiere for, uh, for the season we just had. I, th- I thought we did another one in the middle. What am I getting confused? Well, You're we did Texas Chainsaw 2022. Yeah. I was about to say that one, though. I already knew that one. That's it, bro. I was thinking of something else. Well, anyway, whatever. Pod, we've only done two, so and it's those two. Anyway, I guess I'm just wrong. Uh, and this one now, but so three. um, all the time. Anyway, all that's to say, so we've done uh, one, two. Well, this will be one, two, three, four, five. So we've only really got like two left that we can actually do. I'm noticing <laughs> because mm. we, we can't do the first one. I know there's three. Yeah, there's three. Three. Yeah. yeah. And then Netflix is, has ordered two more. So yeah. Well, there's another one called Leatherface. And then there's another movie called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and then there's a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The beginning. That's um, right. Which is also arguably what we, you could call this movie. That's also called Leatherface. That's right. Yeah. The second beginning. And maybe we'll end up playing the video game and do that for the podcast. Who fucking knows? Well, yeah, if we run out of content. It I didn't realize seem there like was a video though. game. Well, there's one from the 80s, but they're making one now to okay. like come out next oh, year. Oh, wh- which one were you referring to, Corey? Well, when I meant the one that's coming. I don't think uh, we should play the I, other one. I, I, thought the, I thought you meant the 80s one. I was thinking like back to our AVGN referencing <laughs> roots. Uh, no, I just... Pool game. I just yeah. know that there's another one on the way. There's one in the pipe. So yeah, looks the Friday awesome. 13th game isn't that great. And I think the Evil Dead one looks pretty bad. So I'm like... I think people I'm like nervous. both of those. I've heard like... I've heard a lot of shit about them. Yeah. Have you played them? Yeah. No, never. So I can't, I can't speak from experience, oh. but I've just heard a lot of bad things about them. I've just yeah. heard awesome things about the Friday one. Okay. We hang out with different people, I guess, Mitch. Yeah, we're on different Twitter circles. I'm not gonna I'm not about to pass judgment. I'm just saying what I've heard. You I've... literally pass judgment. All right. The judgment went right. All right. Past, yeah. <laughs> See, the writers already ran out of ideas, so they're going back to the original plan. Oh gosh. Screen Except William's six. also mean now. I guess so. <laughs> but then when I hear you be mean, I feel like I feel like I've got to pull back and uh my natural instinct is then to defend Mitch. So maybe we're already back where we started. But that's just to lull people into a false sense of security. That's right. You Who knows what's coming at WWE? I mean, I I bet they're hiring. Seems like a lot of people are kind of on their way out over there. <laughs> they're so. hiring a, a CEO, Triple H is <laughs> like I don't want to do this shit. No, can I just go make up the stories? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, speaking of things that are uh, back at the beginning, this movie is an origin story for Leatherface. Another one. Je- yeah, but we haven't seen the other ones yet, so we got to treat this one as the, the de facto for now. 
I I don't know why I don't know why you would do that. Um really? I feel like historically we've seen origin stories in horror franchises kind of not go over great. So it's always kind of interesting to be like wondering where the impulse for like I really want to know what's up with this fucking Leatherface guy. I think comes it's from. sort of a I think it's a natural curiosity. I mean, especially because Leatherface um seems a lot more human than these other slasher villains and his motivation has never really been baked into any of the other Texas movies. Um yeah. Like we always just start and he's already an adult killing people. Whereas in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, you get the story of how Freddy became that way. Ditto with Friday the 13th and um, Halloween. And even in the case of Halloween, you know, you see young Michael kill his parents and then Rob Zombie did the remake. And he was like, I want to see how this kid became a killer. So he did the origin story thing, too. So I think it's uh, it sort of makes sense. And it, it does make me curious as to how... Um, how this dude started wearing people's faces and uh, and had a family that ate people. I guess part of it, though, is just like all those movies recognize that it didn't need to be the whole movie. And it's I've always just found it kind of odd where it's like, like, I don't know if I'm like, I don't want them to do like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie now, but they're like, well, we got to see more of how <laughs> Freddy Krueger became that fucked up <laughs> demon dream man. Like, I've never been particularly drawn to this kind of movie where it's like, we've got this established thing. Let's just roll the old clock back. See what was going on. Maybe I just want to leave a little bit more of it to the imagination for what it's worth, by the way. Um, we're not going to do a super deep dive into our history with this franchise. Cause we've done it like four times. So you yeah. can, you can find that if you need to. Um, but can you can you guys give like a very brief sense of like if you're generally TCM fans or not, <laughs> Mitch? I'm in- I'm intentionally saying it that way so you can interpret it however you want. Uh, well, I love Turner Classic movies. Um, <laughs> ben Mankiewicz is a great host. I, I really think Eddie Muller might be the best they've ever produced. I love Alicia Malone too. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about TCM movies, but just referring to it as TCM. And I, I kept thinking they were talking about Texas Chainsaw. It really was messing me up. And they weren't. Um, just to be no, clear. No, they were not. Um, I I love basically all these movies. I think since we last did, certainly since we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 a year ago, but maybe even since we did texas chainsaw 22 i don't remember at what point but pretty recently i filled in all my gaps where i saw i watched the couple texas chainsaw movies i had never seen which was um this one texas chainsaw massacre 3 and i watched texas chainsaw massacre the beginning which I wasn't sure if I had seen before. So now I am all caught up and I've come to the conclusion that I think this is, uh, for me, the most consistent franchise out there. It's not my favorite, interesting, but I think pound for pound, like movie for movie, um, right. none of these movies dip below a seven for me. Whereas, you know, even in my favorite franchise, Friday the 13th, I would give... Uh, yeah, some of that's real stinkers. At, at least one of those movies, a pretty low grade. Um, even though it's my favorite and TCM, I think movie for movie, I like all of them. So, uh, 
Um, and it's and it's interesting that I feel that way because I've heard m- people say the exact opposite that it's just one of the most cursed franchises. It's trash after you get past the first or the sometimes the second one. It's just terrible. Those people um, haven't seen Next Generation, or if they did, they were lying. To oh, themselves. they had those people have, and they use that as their uh, as their scapegoat for why the franchise is so terrible. But I guess I'm one of the lucky ones to like that movie, and so if I like that movie, then everything else uh seems good in comparison i guess but um but next gen is actually is my second favorite so i was just born backwards i think it it was the prematureness i didn't cook enough i'm gonna give you a serious answer um i wouldn't describe myself as someone who really likes to enjoy people being killed with power tools when i'm like (laughs) On my time off, there was a time when I watched a lot of excessive What stuff. about when you're at work? Do you like watching them then? Well, at work, sometimes I have no choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not like a franchise I love. I love the first one. I haven't seen as many as Liam or probably you, Corey. But, but uh, I've probably seen like four of them now. So, yeah, four of them now. Um, and it's not it's not my favorite, but I really like the first one, and I, I like see potential. I just, I it's not a franchise that I feel like really great about, but I think the original movie like is just a harrowing watch, and I think it's a great film. But I'm still like trying to see if they'll strike lightning twice, and I think it's interesting to see them reinvent the franchise. But uh, I'm no super fan. Yeah, I've seen six. Uh, I did just have to go count, but I've seen six of them now, which seems odd. I don't know if there's any long-running horror franchise that I've seen six of yet, to be completely Ooh, honest. Dang, good. Um, That's so, sick. And I guess, uh, I guess what, five of those are from the podcast? Is that what we said now? Yeah, well, I just didn't watch the original for the podcast. Oh, that's the, right. The, the rest so the I would have. Plus the five, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, I... The ones that are good are amazing. Uh, the ones that are bad are horrible. Um, there's just not a lot of room between hitting a home run and uh, whiffing so hard that your arms fly off of your body. Where do you land on Texas Chainsaw 3D in hindsight? Because I think on the pod, we were like middle of the road, and I've come to appreciate that movie more since. Um, I feel like I... I barely remember it, which I guess is the nicest thing I can say about one that doesn't stand in my memory at all. Cause either I remember it because it was, it felt like a, a travesty to my, my soul and my brain, or I remember it because it's incredible. Uh, and I don't really remember it very much. And I then, remember the ending being stupid, but I don't remember what it really was. Maybe <laughs> yeah. they were related. I don't know. Uh, um, do your thing. Cause that's what she says to him. Oh Yeah. <laughs> How do you oh, yeah. and then Texas Chainsaw Two? That one you didn't like either, right? Um, in my me- it was probably better than I gave it credit for. I think okay. I'm just in trying. My, I'm just trying brain. to sort in my head which ones are terrible and which ones are yeah amazing. I mean, I'm exaggerating so- somewhat, but like more of the point that I mean is like when it's really good, it's like really, 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 really good. And when it's bad, it seems to often be very, very, very bad. Dang, yeah, I think there's an Eminem lyric about that. Love the way you lie. When it's bad, it's awful. I feel so ashamed. 
Yeah, I'm quoting that. It was an interpolation of Marshall Mathers on the podcast. Yeah, maybe what I initially said isn't like totally 100% what I meant, but I feel like that's the gist of it, where it's just like when it's good, it's unreal, but the bad ones are like, ooh, boy. Sure. Mama mia. Uh, so I was curious to see like where this one was going to land. Uh, I think when we've seen them all, we have to do some kind of like overall assessment because we'll never have had a real opportunity. Bold to of do you that. to think I, I have time to seek out all the ones that you've seen and I haven't. It's not urgent. We got this is going to be a while. Uh, yeah, you're you not have, wrong. It is going to be a very long to while. Seek these out. Um, but I yeah. think when we get there, we should probably do that. Oh, I'd be happy to. Yeah. I have um I've ranked them before online these movies um and I got to say after rewatching this one this was my second time watching it my ranking would change so well and as um, as we know uh, our rankings are insane yes yeah <laughs> as we've learned our ability to rank things is un- unbelievable stuff see last week see last week at some point, we've got to quit this podcast just so we can have a final episode where we rank everything, and then we'll just do like the band thing, where like we take like a, a, a couple weeks or a month hiatus, and then we're like we're back. <laughs> yeah. What's our? I guess, but that makes me wonder: Will we have like a Pinkerton Blue album debate? Will there be fans who are like, "Oh, this like no, this one's the best. No, this one's the best." Of of the movies that we've watched, or our episodes, whatever, however people choose to interpret this, either <laughs> way. Yeah, I maybe, maybe. We're basically th- the Weezer of podcasts. So. And then there's the the true patrician fans who know that like Pacific Daydream is actually the that, best, and that, they're no, like, "No, the dude, A- Agent Cody Banks too was the best <laughs> episode and the best movie you guys watched." There's gonna be one fucked up weirdo who's like, "It was TMAO after dark." It was a good episode, but very oh, yeah, I, I could kind of get down with that. Yeah, I agree. Seance Astrology. Because I didn't see the movie, so that's the only reference point that I have. Um, but let's talk about this movie. It's called Leatherface. It's about Leatherface. Um, it's an origin story for Leatherface. Um, this movie, in a first for the podcast, I believe, went straight to pay-per-view. Dang. And like 2017 too, right? It was made an exclusive via DirecTV and then it went video on demand and then it got a limited theater run. That seems like a late choice. Like 2017 seems late for that kind of a choice. Well, the movie almost didn't come out. Yeah. Like there was a point where it was finished and Lionsgate just let it sit for like a year. Hmm. That's um, fair. I mean, in the, in the last few years, we really have like COVID got us onto this straight to streaming service thing. But um, there are definitely a lot of movies that I've seen for the first time on. Pay-per-view. There's just something I about guess I straight to direct TV. On demand. Yeah, straight to That's direct such a TV. weird sentence. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. But uh, this movie I've also just learned just moments ago. Uh, it was they, uh, the standard for Texas was Bulgaria. Yes, yeah, same same deal for Texas Chainsaw twenty twenty two. Yes, yeah, that's just interesting. 
I guess it's the Texas of southeastern southeastern Europe. I guess southwestern yeah. Europe, southeastern Europe. Um, and uh, it is about how um, you know how darkness can consume a man. The the Sawyer family uh really really wants the youngest boy to be evil and kill people and eat people etc he doesn't seem especially interested in that um he just he he just but, he's really into dance right now but what if the thing that broke him was society um there is a cop who is has a vendetta against the Sawyer family for assuming that they were involved in the killing of his daughter at the beginning of the movie, which is ultimately correct. And he, <laughs> not a bad assumption. I'm not sure. a bad assumption on account of being correct. Um, but he has this vendetta against all delinquent children and sends them to like some sort of juvenile detention prison medical center nightmare place. And that's where Sawyer kids have ended up. There's a breakout, and then they're on the run from the law. This this lawman is on to them, and he wants to get revenge for uh, the death of his daughter and also just hating all of these delinquent kids. And, uh, you know, maybe Leatherface learns a little something about being evil along the way. You know? Yeah. The delinquents also have a, uh, a nurse from the detention center. They do have a hostage. hostage. Yeah. Yes, they have a hostage so they don't get murdered immediately. Um, there's a few different people. There's uh, Ike and Clarice. Yeah, they're bad. Like, they're the bad guy couple. And then you've got Bud, who's just a big, big boy. Um, you've got Jackson. I almost called him Jeb, which is not right. <laughs> Jed Jedediah, original name Jackson, legal name. Uh, Leatherface. Leatherface for when he's at parties. And then, uh, yeah, they do have a hostage nurse named Elizabeth, and they're on the run, essentially. They call um, her Liz when she's at parties. Lizzie. Liz face. Sometimes. Lizzie McGuire. Elizabeth McGuire. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, this movie is directed by two guys. I love these um, guys. Oh, yeah, you're familiar with these guys? Mm-hmm. So we've got Alexandra Bastillo and uh, Julian, Julian, because I think they're French, right? They are. Yeah. Uh, Maury. What do I I know them from? Yeah. They did a French extreme movie uh, from 2007 called Inside. If I I don't know what French extreme is supposed to mean here, Mm -hmm. what is that? It's... uh, a movement that developed in like the mid 2000s um it's like gaspar no right yeah it, it kind of started with that you could say with like irreversible and, and shit like that but but and then from there as um you know american horror movies were getting gritty like the texas chainsaw massacre remake um in France, they were doing that like times 10. So it was just horror movies in the mid 2000s that were just like loaded with gore, but very realistic. Um, so they're not campy gore. They're nihilistic. Um, is it is it of the same school of thought of like torture porn? Like a saw? Would martyrs or... be in, in this movement too? Yes. Martyrs okay. is like A1. 
uh, French New Extreme. And yeah, it, you could say torture porn, but um, I think uh, these movies are a bit more um, sprawling in like their themes and they're a bit more... Like they're more, fo- than, they're more than, focused on something as well as being extreme rather yeah, than yeah. the sake I, of it. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Inside is just one of those movies. It is a wild watch. I think you guys would really like it, um, but it goes to dark places. It's very a very uncomfortable movie. It is a Christmas movie, actually. I joked earlier, but it is a Christmas movie. Um, and uh, it is absolutely terrifying um but it's it's a great movie and so when leatherface was announced um way back when and and i Did heard people that they go were the like director, oh mama mia that's gonna be gnarly i was stoked for sure i wasn't i wasn't privy to the online conversations at that point um but i remember being very excited nice that's cool learning a little bit on this show today i think i had like vaguely heard of that but i wasn't super familiar with uh, what this whole deal was um they also did a section in one of those like anthology horror movies called abc's of death they did nice. or abc's of death 2 sorry they did x's oh. for xylophone then i'm putting that on our list right now i've never thought to do that i've never seen those movies but i've always wanted to yeah no i haven't either uh the movie is written by seth m sherwood uh, he wrote a movie called Hellfest, which I had heard of. Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty good. It, that's cool because that one was like a a modern slasher movie that got w- released wide theatrically, and it like just way past the time that should have happened. That movie was like 2018 <laughs> or something. Yeah, um, that should have come it, out in like just, 2005. Yeah, and it's just like a an unironic straight ahead slasher movie. So that that was kind of a blast to see in the theater. It's it's pretty good. Uh, one more uh like side statement quick um apparently the new pretty little liars show is just a slasher and apparently it's pretty good is it out apparently i think so is it is it like a i kept season seeing or a rev- show I, I kept seeing reviews of it so I'm, i think it's out is this like a new season of pretty little liars or no, is it's, it a it's separate like a spin-off show? i think oh dude i gotta fire that my my fiance brianna loves pretty little liars and yeah. i haven't i haven't seen any of it i think i would love the original so i i, I bet i'll love this that sounds awesome well, i have enough time that i'm gonna get this information correct for you first episode comes out today episode one is out literally as we're recording not the full season it's called pretty little liars original sin dude i'm down is lucy hale still in it do you see that is she still playing a teenager? That would be amazing. She is not in it. Mm. I see a headline here. Lucy Hale gives her review of Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. Oh, nice. Leads me to believe she's not in it. Uh, cool. But you can watch that if you want. <laughs> Apparently, it's pretty good. Um. Uh, also, uh, Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper get writing credits. Because um, they made the characters. Uh, we've got two editors as well. Uh, Sebastian de Saint-Croix who edited the ABCs of Death 2 segment for the other directors, and Josh Etchier, um, who edited uh, Gretel and Hansel, who edited uh, The Standoff at Sparrow Creek, and will be editing Orphaned First Kill. Oh, man. Yeah, that one's edited, dude. That one is ramping up. I think they said it's coming out in October. It has a release date in like the next few months, so yeah, I'm it's very coming excited. and it will be on this show. 
Oh, yes. Uh, the cinematography is by Antoine Sonnier, who shot that ABCs of Death 2 segment that the directors did as well. Um, it has a lot of French credits to his name. And then the music is by John Frizzle, or Frizzle, who we've heard of before because he did the music in Texas Chainsaw 2013. Uh, also, Alien Resurrection. Uh, more recently, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I did not even realize there was a new Beavis and Butthead oh, movie. Oh, yeah. I'm dying to see that, and uh, it's on our podcast list. I think it counts. Uh, also, he did the music for Slapshot 2, which could be on the list if it's not. And uh, Space Chimps, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> is space chimps related to like air buddies and shit no it's animated oh, okay <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm really enjoying that 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 there's a space chimps video game that's just space, funny stuff space chimps 2 um hollow the video game <laughs> uh so this movie stars uh well, Steven Dorff's in it. That's pretty cool. He's in I Blade. like him. Yeah, you guys, do yeah. you guys know him? Uh, I thought I had seen him in more stuff than I have. I'm familiar with Steven Dorff. I'm not familiar at all. Oh, well, okay, I am. He's in Blade. He's uh, in Cecil B. Demented. He's in Zoolander at one point. He was on True Detective. Okay, I'm sure I've seen him then. Yeah. What I know him from is his first role, a movie called The Gate, um, which is kind of like a... Wait, is that... I think I know what that is. Is that like a horror movie and there's like claymation little guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a kid's horror movie, but like proper, like emphasis on horror actually, but also emphasis on kids. Um, like it's not a rated R movie, but it, it is kind of dark actually. But it goes places. Um, yeah. And it has a sequel. So maybe we'll talk about it. But he is the kid in that movie. And so I just, I always like to see when a, a child actor has, has, kept at it and and seems to like acting that's fun what's the gate two called is it just the gate two i think it's the gate and and roman numerals so they're <sighs> serious about it uh vanessa grass is playing elizabeth or lizzie uh she's in a movie called um what i learned that it's it's called the gate two trespassers <laughs> <laughs> that's also known awesome. as gate two return to the nightmare no the in that case i had no I think idea trespassers is better i've never seen that full title um she's in a movie called a castle for christmas <laughs> and also uh it came from the desert uh a movie called open 24 hours which i thought i had heard of oh, and i hadn't yeah. dude that's an awesome movie what wait maybe i had heard about it have we talked about it on the podcast i don't think so maybe i don't think so because if we, if we did it was probably so familiar, like but then i googled it and it didn't seem familiar anymore yeah that one is a really cool slasher that just takes place overnight at um like a convenience store gas station that this woman is working in by herself and that's just a killer setup and it is it is a lot of fun well if i hadn't heard of it before on this podcast i have now um sam strike is playing jackson uh he uh, was on EastEnders for about 8,000 episodes, um, the Coronation Street rival, <laughs> and uh, was also in Mindhunter and Chernobyl, neither of which I have seen. They're both pretty good. Yeah, I've heard, but never got around to it. Uh, Lily Taylor plays Verna, who is the mom. She's in The Conjuring. It's pretty cool. Uh, we've got two different dudes in this show uh, who were on Game of Thrones, which I just find interesting. 
So I'm going to say them together, actually. Uh, we've got Sam Coleman, who plays Bud. Uh, he was on Game of Thrones uh, playing young Hodor because he's a big lad. And uh, he's also in Wards of Chaos, which is a movie I know Liam likes. Oh, love it. I don't remember him in the movie, but I'll have to check, also, it, check it out again. fellas, he uh, was in a movie called The Prince of Denmark, in which he is literally Hamlet. Whoa. <laughs> and this be, is... Or not to be. Did no, you say that, this is, that this is the actor for Bud? Yeah. Wow, that dude played Hamlet? I gotta see that. Yeah. That's awesome. And then uh, the other Game of Thrones actor that we've got is uh, Finn Jones. I spent basically the entire movie trying to place where I knew him from from the yeah. second he came on screen. He has one of those faces. And it was driving me he? fucking crazy. He looks like 800 different people. Yeah, it's like alternate universe Jack Quaid. Like it's so annoying for me. I was trying to figure out where I knew him from the whole first time I watched it, and then it happened again the second time I watched it. And <laughs> and upon studying his filmography and stuff to try to figure it out, um, and then going back to the movie and, and looking at his face again, I have determined that I don't know him. He just looks so much like Caleb Landry Jones to me, who was an actor. Interesting, who was in, like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, in, like, he's in Get Out. You've seen that. Everybody yeah. listening to this has seen Get Out. He's in that. <laughs> he was just in everything for so long. And he's one of my favorite actors, Caleb Landry Jones. Um, and so I think this dude um, carries the flag well. Like, honestly, if Caleb Landry Jones, if they had to do like the Avril Lavigne thing where he had to be replaced by, uh, by a clone, like, yeah. you know, um, this would be the dude to do it. And no one would bat an eye. He's got he's good. They got both got acting chops, too. Yeah, and uh, so he was uh, on 21 episodes of Game of Thrones from 2011 to 2016. A lot of people will know him from that. Then he was also on... uh, He was on one of the Marvel Netflix shows, Iron Fist. He was the titular Iron Fist. And then that spun off into The Defenders. So if you don't know him from the first show, you probably know him from the second one. Or you've never turned on a television in the last 10 years. <laughs> I feel called out. I mean, I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, <laughs> those were just popular shows. I was too busy to turn on a TV. I was making money and I was uh, getting sick cars and stuff. I was just too busy. <laughs> um, James Bloor plays Ike and Jessica Madsen plays Clarice. Uh, speaking of turning on a TV... Uh, she is now on Bridgerton, so she's set for the rest of her life because that is a very popular program. And uh, was also uh, in the video game Need for Speed Payback. Holy shit. I was thinking classic. that maybe you'd say that one of these actors was in Space Chimps too. Um, <laughs> but that's on, that's honestly close enough. That's pretty sweet. Um, Chris Adamson plays Dr. Lang. He's in a couple parts of the Caribbean movies or Caribbean. I never, I never know. Um, he's also briefly in the fifth element, judge dread and Robin hood, Prince of thieves, which is the one that's not funny with Kevin Costner. Uh, not to be confused with Robin hood men in tights, which is the funny one. Thanks. I, I do. I confuse those a lot. Yeah, sure. I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, Demo Alexiev. Uh, plays Drayton. I mostly wrote his credit down uh, because, to be perfectly honest with you, I couldn't tell you who Drayton is if you ask me right now because I watched it maybe a couple days ago. But uh, he just had two credits for stuff that we could put in the list. So I spit on your grave too in the Expendables too. 
Nice. He was um sort of fake Matthew McConaughey, that, right. that that actor in this movie. Oh, also Finn Jones, also in Wrong Turn Five Bloodlines, whatever that is. Nice. Uh Nathan Cooper plays Farnsworth, the lawyer. Uh he is in Kung Fury 2 and Angel Has Fallen. Both of those could also go on the list. <laughs> it's overwhelming when you do these breakdowns, Corey. There's way just, too many options. We're never gonna be free. And then a few last credits here. We've got uh, Boris Kabachev, who plays a young Jed. We've got Simona Williams playing uh, one of the other nurses. Julian Kostov and Ian Fisher are the two guys in the diner. Honestly, they, they stole the show. Okay. We fucked around long enough. It's been 40 minutes. People got places to go, people to see. Some of, some, some of the listeners, I'm sure, do, but also so do we. So, without any further ado, um, <laughs> what? What do you mean, what? You were laughing first. <laughs> no, Mitch laughed. It was. Yeah, it was funny. Thank you. Um, Mitch, what did you think about <laughs> what? Corey just wanted to hear Mitch say it. Call me funny, you motherfucker. How am I funny, huh? I want to like hear a, you say like it. Like a clown. Um, do I amuse you? Eh. Um, Mitch, what did you think about the the titular Leatherface in the hit film Leatherface? I have a lot of problems with it. Um, the movie? What with the titular Leatherface? <laughs> what what yeah. the fuck does that even like? Just keep going. Just keep going. just loves the word titular. It's just funny. It excites him. It's a funny. What word. did I think of the person uh, of like the? What, what did you think of the movie? Okay. <laughs> the question was just what the do you think of the movie? Titular leather like. Okay. It was just a stupid way of saying it, but what did you think of the movie? Well, yeah, I have a lot of problems with this movie. Um, there's some things that I think that are going for it and other things that are pulling it back. Um, and it's pretty, like a, an odd structure and an odd collision of genres and a film that doesn't really feel like the franchise to me for a lot of it. Um, so much of this movie is kind of reminiscent of like of like kids on the run or like like kids on the run films like uh, it's like the boxcar children. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm thinking like Badlands or or like uh, <laughs> like uh, they live by night or even like the Shades of Breathless. Funny that you mentioned that it's like a, a French French production um, or French directors anyway. But um, there's like and I like that and I think that that's interesting and I think. What holds it back in so many places is like the use of the of the iconography and kind of like every once in a while it kind of remembers that it's like an origin story and it and it stop and that it's a Texas Chainsaw movie, and so it kind of like goes back to the to the lore and the iconography and I think that that gets kind of clumsy and and as a result you're kind of like going in one direction with this kind of like kids on the run, one flew out of the cuckoo's nest escape kind of movie, and then you you're building a staircase to nowhere because like it, it just like f- turns on a dime and then like, it's like, Oh yeah, we're a Texas chainsaw massacre movie. And then the, so as a result, I think the last act is pretty jumbled and we can get into why. Um, but there's a lot of things that I think are really good in this movie. Like, like I do like like the vibe in that midsection, even though I think that the characters are all kind of dislikable. So I'm not really cheering for anyone. So I had difficulty getting invested, but I, I saw that there's definitely like the workings of a good movie there. There's potential there, but it doesn't really deliver in a lot of ways. And I think um, 
like some of the kills and the more practical stuff is really good too. But uh, all in all, I don't really like this movie, and it doesn't feel like it like what I think of when I think of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Keep in mind, I had only seen uh, like three and like a parts of other ones um, prior to this. But yeah, that's that's my take. Cool. And uh, Liam, you've seen this movie multiple times now. If Two I times, heard yeah. you right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about it? I um, I like this movie less this time than I did the first time. I really liked this movie the first time I saw it. Um, I had avoided it for a, a good long while. I think. Um, even though I was excited for it when it came out, it came out with so little fanfare. Like I wasn't in a house with direct TV, so I couldn't immediately get to it. <laughs> and then it ended up getting dropped on Netflix eventually. And I think I tried it um, early on and it starts with this uh, dinner scene, um, you know, where you've got uh, young Leatherface um, trying to uh, he's being coerced into doing bad things by his family and there's this hostage who's tied up and he's just a terrible actor and it seemed like such an obvious place to start a Leatherface origin and it just kind of put me in a bad mood so I stopped it um, and uh, didn't come back to it for a, a long while and then in the last year I wanted to fill in all these gaps and so I watch Leatherface last um so this is after I had already determined that I like all the Texas Chainsaw movies and this is the only one left to see if it can uphold the streak and I really liked the ride that this movie put me on I still thought that the opening scene was um a bit corny i think some of those actors in that opening scene are far better than others and i think that's something that the movie has going for it all the way through once you get down to the core characters this ensemble i think they are all fantastic actors particularly um the the actor who plays ike and the actor who plays jackson jackson especially i was like I'm shocked I haven't seen this guy in other stuff. He has been in other stuff, and so I'm sure he's great in it. But he is so good that I was like, how have I not seen this guy in like a like a blockbuster or something? I thought he was just incredible. Um, and so I liked hanging out with these characters, and I liked um, just watching the story unfold. And there are some really great set pieces that still feel great to me, where I was... Um, it was enough to get me excited as the movie might otherwise be plodding on. And I found um, by the time the movie ended, though I also thought the third act was kind of clunky, I and I thought that um, though the idea was cool of turning your protagonist, this guy who seemed to have a heart of gold into Leatherface, I think that's fascinating. And I think that deserves a full movie. Um, whereas something like uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, I think that the way that they uh, do the Michael Myers origin story feels very... Um, surface level i think it feels very um 
just kind of cheesy um, in its depiction of evil. I think that this is a much more interesting approach to take because you have um, the most likable character of them all. And then it's eventually revealed that he is going to become Leatherface. But my problems with the movie on the second go around are the problems that I was um, not overlooking the first time because I wasn't totally in love with the movie the first time, but I was just stoked enough on what it had going for it that um, I was excited. But this time I thought that the way the movie is edited and where it puts focus feels a bit off to me like i i think even though it's a character movie i don't think it gives enough to the characters to get them from point a to point b and i think there are multiple subplots going on um that make it kind of feel like three different movies where you've got leatherface's family and then you've got the cop who's chasing the kids down and then you've got the kids themselves um and and that's that's okay to have all those movie all those things in the movie. In fact, I think most great movies have multiple subplots like that that eventually coalesce. But I think that the editing is just kind of off here. Um, I know that this did have some trouble getting released, and I'm sure really got cut up. I think the the directors have since disowned the movie and said that it is. Um, they didn't really have uh, the edit that they wanted and it didn't come together the way they wanted. Um, and I just felt that more upon second watch. I, I, it went from being a really exciting movie um, in its surprises to being now that those surprises were spoiled for me, I thought it was, it didn't have much to chew on where I think if this was a great movie, it would have more to chew on in terms of what the characters go through and where they end up. Um, but I do want to say right off the bat that I do respect this movie for what it's doing. I, I still do like it. I don't think it breaks the Texas Chainsaw Massacre streak. And it is, um, if not the next generation, uh, being the most maligned i've heard this brought up uh a lot as being the most maligned of the texas chainsaw movies particularly i've heard people say that it just it doesn't feel like a texas chainsaw movie and um i just i don't really um think that's a criticism that should hold much water like i would rather people engage with what the film is uh actually doing because i think some of the greatest horror sequels um don't feel like they belong to a franchise like halloween 3 doesn't have michael myers in it even nightmare on elm street 2 that movie doesn't take place in the dream world at all the way that the other nightmare movies do and people have come around to loving this movie so um i think the fact that this doesn't feel exactly like a texas chainsaw movie is pretty cool especially because most of the Texas Chainsaw movies just feel like a sequel or a sequel slash remake of the original movie. So I think it's cool that this movie does something different. I like that it's a road movie, um, but it ends up feeling a bit uh, derivative of other things, especially Rob Zombie's movie Devil's Rejects. It feels a whole lot like that, um, but there's still some cool stuff in this movie and i really do think the acting is incredible so i think it is worth a one-time watch for sure yeah i i think that there's a good 
not Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in here. Yeah. <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway is like, if this didn't have to care about the fact that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a thing that exists, the movie would be better. Um, if this movie was just about a bunch of like, um, ne'er-do-wells and troubled kids that were in uh, a very oppressive institutional environment and then broke out and like shit went bad uh that's a much more interesting movie because it can be more straight ahead about what's happening um i'm gonna level with you maybe this is my fault um i spent basically up until bud died thinking bud was leatherface yeah so that- physically that's what tracks no yeah so, that's that's intentional it's very that's confusing that's not on you it's uh like that is the twist of the movie is that it's jackson so you're not supposed to but think that it's Bud. it's not a good twist because if this movie's an origin right i should be aware of who the origin is of right like i should be able to track those characteristics and personalities and behaviors and experiences developing by identifying who the person is and it's not clever filmmaking to just be like oh it's actually somebody else i think that's actually something that that makes the movie a bit frustrating because if you are just focused on jackson more directly the whole time uh I think you get something that feels a lot more cohesive and a lot more about a particular thing, but because it's also like, you know, it's also about the sheriff and we have to give side characters some time. And then you may have been focusing on the wrong person the entire time because you didn't know who the origin was actually of. And then you've also got like everybody else in this institution and then they're all gone. And it's just like, I don't know. There's moments along the way that I think are really good and like really effective. And like some of the kills are really cool. Um, but like it doesn't come together as like a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre in specific or um, a good origin of a particular person in general because of those shortcomings. So like overall, it's a bit disappointing and a bit frustrating just on that front. But there's stuff in here to like, no doubt. Uh, it did take a while to win me over with those things, but they did eventually show up. Yeah. Um, I, I'll i go to bat for the, the twist of, uh, of Bud not being Leatherface because um, it, it, it's you know definitely the intention. They, they cast someone who physically looks a whole lot like they could be young Leatherface. He has long hair. He doesn't talk much. Um, he's hulking and uh, powerful and has a temper. I I really like the idea of um, having you think it's him because I don't think it's a it's a full swerve in that it's revealed that the movie was putting too much attention in one direction just to to uh, pull the rug out from you because even before Bud dies, the bulk of the characterization um, and the focus of the movie, well, the focus of the uh, the ensemble is on Jackson. He gets a whole lot to work with. And uh, I think that it's, f- it's 
I think it is kind of clever to have when Bud gets off, you realize, oh, this isn't. I, maybe I've been watching this movie incorrectly. This isn't the the way that this isn't the story that they're telling. I've actually got to pay attention to someone else. And I think the best movie twists are the kind when they hit, you're surprised, and then you watch the movie again, and you now the movie is presented to you in a different way. It's it's read a different way. You realize something new about it, and that new watch makes sense as well you know watching something like uh fight club or like memento or something again and it just you totally read the movie differently um and i think this movie partially gets there because jackson's has a whole lot to do um and in watching the movie again not focusing on bud at all he really does just feel like a a side character i i had totally forgotten that the first time through um i assumed that bud would be the killer but where i think the movie really falters and doesn't do something amazing and i think it could have done something amazing by being a leatherface origin story um is that it just doesn't connect all the dots enough i think the switch in jackson happens too quickly where he um he gets shot and i guess the idea is that um he gets kind of uh um what is the term you know his brain gets affected um and uh he's not the same guy anymore and so the the characteristics that he kind of had beforehand like his temper and his loyalty are now heightened i i just wish that there was even more done in that regard i think that he just seems too stable and nice throughout the entire movie and so the switch doesn't feel um earned enough even though I really like the idea. So I think most of the problems lie with the third act. And then they're also sprinkled in the first and second, just because maybe they made him too much of a protagonist in the first two acts. And they should have given him more moments where he uh, really shows what he's capable of. But I do like the idea. It is a very strangely balanced movie. Um, because I was Corey and I kind of arrived to a similar conclusion where there's a good movie in here that isn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie or something like that and um, it's so strange because it, it, it feels like it's constantly being tugged in one direction or the other um, but it, it I think those two things don't really exist well together they don't blend together well there's lots of things that I do think work well but but I it just feels like it, it's trying to do too many different things at once yeah, it it's a it's a tough balancing act. Like this movie kind of makes me think of something like like Doctor Sleep, which is a um, a sequel to The Shining, but it is also a recontextualization of The Shining and makes you think of it differently by interacting with those uh, original elements while telling a, a separate story. And that movie ends up tying into The Shining so beautifully and the characters feel um, like they could slot right into that world. And that is like a, a tough movie to make. And so I think the fact that... Um, this movie goes for it is really cool, but I think that 
the way it ends up being constructed, uh, I got to assume a lot of it is like stuff that's on the editing room floor, but also it's it, it, it's tough to film and tough to write. And so maybe they just didn't have any everything in there from the get go. And so it ends up falling into this space where it's tough to enjoy it as like a Texas Chainsaw movie, but then it's also tough to enjoy it as just like a, a horror road movie because it has those Texas Chainsaw connections. And so um, it does kind of... Uh, um, end up end up getting lost. The first time I watched it, I appreciated it more for not being a Texas Chainsaw movie. But now that I've seen it w- once, and the those surprises aren't uh, aren't there as much, you know, like I know what's coming. Now I'm yeah. thinking of it connecting to Texas Chainsaw, and I'm like, I wish that it did that more because it would have made it much more rewatchable. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's too much of a Texas Chainsaw movie. I think in in some ways, and and also not enough. Like, I really enjoy the like the the Badlands stuff that it's doing. Like the diner shootout, I think is a great scene. Yeah, um, that was awesome. And that's when the movie really fucking kicks it. Yeah, like you, I know you've already seen like the how violent the breakout was, but then they're mm-hmm. just like, what if we just kept escalating? Yeah, like what if we just slaughter this diner with some really great like like uh, squib sort of effects and. And uh, just like super violent and and great, um, or uh, you know, I just like the I love all like the sort of wide expanses and them sort of and that game of cat and mouse with the police and how they hide inside the the carcass of that animal and oh yeah, I love that. I've never seen anything like that. That is so gross and cool looking. Yeah. Well, like how they, but how do they do that? Mm-hmm. They climb on <laughs> in, I guess. How? Like how? It looks like it was I, pretty far gone, like pretty soft and I don't but then how was it like robust enough to like keep its structural integrity when three entire people got in it? I guess oh, it's, it's like loaded a, in there. <laughs> it's like a, a clown car. <laughs> like my my note for that was oh well that's kind of a boring way to just also get her covered in blood like she is at the end of the first movie. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. It does serve that. Like, I, I assumed it was just like they just needed a way to get her covered in blood. <laughs> Yeah, Dang, that's much more pessimistic than than I read it. But that's I, what happens when you're making an origin movie that feels like it needs callbacks to everything. I assume that you're doing it in the most like boring way possible. Yeah, I did. I yeah. didn't even. I didn't read it as a callback at all. Like I thought it was just uh, a really cool visual, seeing them all climb out of this animal. I think it ties in to. Um, the nature element of this movie because it's it's very transient and there's like a lot of woods and stuff and so um it, I, th- I thought it was cool that they were climbing out of a carcass it just like it it looks so wicked yeah i just read it as like a well we needed a call back here so we, we toss one in there <laughs> just i don't know maybe i'm just being needlessly cynical but also like you know Oh, I, that's kind of the, the same way I feel with how like the the Sawyer family is kind of utilized in this movie to a degree, and and really just like the fact that there's chainsaws in this movie at all is it's just yeah they weren't like, invented yet in the fifties. No, it's just because it's like a Leatherface movie, and so you if you don't have it, people are going to be pissed. But I like it's it's the same sort of thing that I find kind of ridiculous about the second one where they take those chainsaws and the next thing you know, it's like they're doing a, like a lightsaber duel with the chainsaws, which yeah, is but like, that's cool though. 
it's it's like cool and ridiculous, but I, I feel like it's it's another instance of, of the iconography. Um, I don't want to say getting in the way, but but um, I will say though, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is at least like using it to make a specific point. Sure. Uh, Whereas, sure. like, I I don't really feel like this movie is. Yeah, this just it just feels like a. It's like got a origin movie baggage, chain. so that's just how I think about it. Yeah, like. like I would um, rather see this movie not as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, really. Um, yeah, like, I think this movie's better if it's able... Like, and I don't even say that that necessarily means that they have to get rid of, like, the visual that I interpreted as a callback, because as Liam says, like, it's still cool. But I yeah. think, like... um, I think what it comes down to is, you know, these ideas would probably work better and you can have like a character exploration that's a bit more interesting if it doesn't have to end with and then he's leatherface by the time the movie's yeah. over yeah i agree and uh just all of it is kind of laid on a bit thick like especially i think liam was right with the opening scene um with all of that and how how it's expressed and and uh <laughs> it's like the redneck like that just felt like they were just trying to lay it on way too thick and then the rest of the movie is fairly hands-off until in in the end they're like by the way this is a texas chainsaw massacre origin story i don't know kind of grading it's that's why i say it's like a a staircase that builds to like nowhere or at least just like the conclusion it's supposed to go to uh which i think is is really disappointing and why it falls apart in the last act it's uh it almost feels like predeterminism in a way. They have a little twist to rue, but otherwise it's like they just go back to the place you think it's going to go. Yeah, I think it's a it is it's a cool idea to do this exploration. Um I like I totally get why it was made, which is we can't say the same for a whole lot of the sequels we do on this podcast. Like why did why did they make this? Why did they even try? Um I totally get this. I think it just it it kind of got lost in the sauce as they were making it and putting it together. Um, Cause I, I, I do really like the idea of, of knowing where Leatherface came from. Um, I, I like that in horror movies regardless in a whole lot of cases i mean it's why i don't personally. it's why it might be why i love the scream movies because in the scream movies you got a third act where they say exactly how they got here why they're killing um what their motivations are um i'm kind of past the point of thinking something is uh creepy just because it's it's pure evil like michael myers style like i don't really find Michael Myers, the scary, the shape. Like I think I, I I definitely might have as a child, but um, at this point, like I, I think it's cool in like the sixth Halloween movie where it's like, yeah, he was like influenced by uh this weird culty thing that predetermined his destiny. Like I, I think that's I think that's kind of neat. Um, and this. Leatherface character is has always been cool to me and might be it might be why I like these movies so much because it it feels quite real and even though it doesn't do the origin story um until really late in the franchise I still find that it hints at how they got to this place in some really cool subtle ways like in the original movie where you have the grandfather who is 
on death's door but he still just loves killing people with his little hammer right he can barely even move but he loves killing people that's what the beatles song is about and uh and you've got like the dad who who loves killing um and i think that is that's really scary this idea of this um evil family because it indicates that um evil can sort of die uh, tonight be, sorry <laughs> evil can sort of be uh instilled in someone you know because of their upbringing uh someone doesn't learn the difference between right and wrong um i think that's i think that's really scary and so i like the idea of the evil family in this movie um and i like the idea of of learning where leatherface came from and i can just like imagine the feeling if at the end of this movie um if it just like if it all worked and then you're like holy shit this makes sense for leatherface and it makes me think of the original movie in a different way like that would be so badass but I can't really watch the original Texas Chainsaw now and see this guy as Leatherface. It just doesn't really track to me, even though I love his performance as um, Jackson. And I I really love actually the end scene where that creepy ass song is playing and he's making the mask. I think that's really cool. But I think uh, getting to that point, um, it just didn't quite hit. It's interesting hearing this be like the family didn't teach right and wrong and that's how we got here because I was interpreting a lot of it more as like the the movie trying to make an argument that, you know, like the family is certainly like spurring a commitment to it, but it seems like it's trying to more make a point about like how like, um, imbalanced power structures and like institutionalization is the problem like it's it's the environment in which everybody is being sort of like tortured and mistreated under the guise of being taken care of as like kids that don't have homes and also like law enforcement being just like vengeful pieces of shit that was the the onus was the thing that prompts his his turn like that's where the bullet comes from that's where the breakout is required that's sort of what the crux of the problem is so i interpreted it less as like being about what the family is or isn't doing but like justification for the family behaving that way or like a mistrust of people being found in like institutions not working as intended um which i guess is like maybe slightly more interesting but i don't know if the movie does a great job segueing that as it needs to into being Texas Chainsaw Massacre related. I think that's really cool. Um, And you're totally right. Like, I think that is also equally as scary to me. Like I'm down for those origins, wherever they come from. And um, Leatherface said a cab, I guess. (laughs) And I, I think that family did drop an engine block on his daughter. (laughs) (laughs) um i think that this movie kind of does both of those things now that you've pointed it out um and i guess i just wish that it was like emphasized more um because he at the in the opening scene young leatherface little lev he uh he is being (laughs) he's he's being forced to use this chainsaw and he doesn't want to he lets his family down you let us down jeb 
That's right. He doesn't want to use the chainsaw. And so he's not like the others. And so that, you know, says something about... um, I'm not like other girls. I'm not like the other redneck animals, okay? And so he gets free and he gets uh, ostensibly, like he should be saved. He's no longer being raised by these parents um, and these siblings. And he gets put into this institution that is like supposed to correct him um, and make it so that he doesn't end up like them. And so he has like good values and cares for people and stuff. And then um, he ends up getting failed regardless. And it's a bullet from a police officer that ends up uh, breaking his brain and really turning him into a member of the family anyway. And I think that's kind of cool. I guess I'll at least give the movie credit that you can read it in more than one way. Um, though I do wish it felt like it, it coalesced more into what like it wants to, right? Right. Which is being like an effective Leatherface story. I just think that's sort of where it's not clicking um but i will say the stuff like beyond narrative like the stuff that i do think works is the movie's uh violence yeah <laughs> holy moly dude fuck cory this movie's got some shit going on in it dude um the, the stone it. kill particularly is fucked oh the curb stomp yeah i didn't I, I actually i i i'll i'll say this i don't i don't give a fuck uh i covered my eyes a bit because i thought that they might have i didn't know if they were going to commit or not and if they were going to commit i didn't want to see it so (laughs) nice dude it gotcha that's awesome at the same time though i do wish they had shown the waitress's head explode same but that is a fun use of restraint just having like a fucking blood geyser just like fucking shoot out from the counter yeah I thought like during that shotgun scene that, that oh, it was going to do awesome like, effect. it was going to do like the drive thing where they blow off Christina's hand, Christina Hendricks's face and drive, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's going to do the House of the Devil thing where they blow up Greta Gerwig's head. Yeah, I I love how mean that whole diner sequence it's is. It's so I, fucking mean. Um, it's like it's it's really cool and it's it's just it's interesting to be with these characters throughout most of the movie, um, and they're just like awful um but then you got you know a bit of heart in there because you've got jackson uh you've got bud um and you've got um perhaps the most heart of of all uh, the movie wants to say is uh um lizzie from lizzie mcguire yeah she works at this uh day one institution (laughs) um but she uh, is also trying to get away from them at any chance she can like there's a moment where um jackson is sleeping in this camper that they've Mm. they've uh set up shop in and she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's sneaking for the door and she looks back at him and i thought oh is she gonna wake him up like he he, they've kind of, they have this bond and he's kind of a nice guy so maybe she's uh gonna leave with him and then nope she goes by herself it is cool that she never drinks the kool-aid so to speak like it's cool that she's like no nah, i don't want this <laughs> no <Nah>, irredeemable <laughs> i'm over it like yeah and like did she make the right choice in that um he ended up becoming leatherface and decapitating her with a chainsaw so did she make the right choice or it is the choice that she made to like not bring jackson with her when she left and uh um kind of still look out for herself if she hadn't done that would he have turned into leatherface yeah it is I do think the movie's thriving the most when it goes from like, I, like it starts when they with the breakout 
because that sequence is fucking crazy. Mm. Oh yeah, dude. When they when uh, if that's what French Extreme is, is working on. Oh, the oh window my god. kill. Oh, yeah, I know, we're thinking that... about two different things. I was about to laugh, but I, we're talking about two different windows. Are you uh, thinking about the fucking? No, I'm thinking about when they push that guy in a wheelchair out the window and he just oh, sort of unceremoniously awesome hits too. the ground. It's so f- I laughed really hard. <laughs> yeah, dude, a lot like of great this, moments. The dude in the wheelchair just appears like on the just appears ground. as like a lamb for the slaughter. <laughs> Yeah, I like, yeah. had that fucking guy get there, but no, there is some gnarly shit in there, man. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of the new extreme, the French new extremity thing. Um, and so I think you guys really would like like a movie like Inside because that movie, um, mm. feels like it is totally tied up with a bow and is everything is in service of the greater story but like you also just get these gnarly set pieces and i really love the moments in this movie where you get those like that window kill oh my gosh what did you think of that mitch oh i thought it was great and especially since like everybody in this movie is pretty much dislikable um i don't think there's anybody who i really like at all um i don't i don't like I've felt bad for like the nurse who's kidnapped for a while, but especially that guy who goes to the window. So it's kind of satisfying with that kill, but more to the point about the characters. And I think that's one of the reasons why I just couldn't get invested into it. Uh, Cause everyone kind of sucks. And uh, like conversely, like in, in the other Texas Chainsaw movies, there's somebody who you're kind of rooting for somebody who you want to get away. And in this movie, I'm just kind of like, yeah, you can all go. Um, and the they t- sort of all do in a way. Yeah. Um, another great moment, uh, is when Ike and Clarice are having sex in the camper and she's like all on the dead guy. Yeah. And she's like licking and kissing this slimy dead dude. I've, I've covered my eyes for that. that in a horror movie. That is amazing. I love it. Not just in terms of like, it's a visual I haven't seen before, but I think it really speaks to the depravity of, of this couple. And they've been showing it throughout the whole movie. You know, like you said, with the, uh, blowing off the, the head of the waitress, um, just like absolutely mercilessly. Um, and now you've got uh, this dead body in the camper and they are unfazed by it. You know, Lizzie, of course, she finds it. She's disgusted. Um, but it actually like turns turns the two of them on. Clarice yeah, they're just and into fucked up and, fuck stuff. Oh, gosh. And so I just I I really love that visual as well. I think there's some really cool stuff. And then I I like how as the movie unfolds, um, people aren't safe like these bad characters who uh i started to think like are going to be protected because they're our main characters like it doesn't seem to be the regular horror movie thing of good characters um prevail and they they kill dead care they kill bad characters at the end and it also didn't seem to be the case of uh good characters are going to die throughout at the hands of the bad people because the bad people are like killing bad people like the doctor and they're killing totally innocent people like the people at the diner so i just didn't know who was safe in this movie and i like that they just start to pick away at the ensemble one by one like when bud decides to kill i feel like i always say bud with a um, bud you gotta say it like you're just bud what's up bud you know what i mean i love it what's up bud um i like when he you know he curb stomps psych i don't see that i didn't see that coming and then when the police just absolutely annihilate um clarice 
uh, to to get what they want um, outside of the camper. You know, it just shows that this cop like does not does not care. He's gonna take them all down. Um, and then you know you get Lizzie. She goes when I didn't expect her to go at the hands of uh, of Leatherface. And that's a a gnarly one as well. Yeah, the decap, and it shows it. Hey, yeah, yeah. I I, I dig it. So I really do like this movie. Um, like if you were to map out this movie and write it all out as as they did before they made the movie you know i could see why oh shit yeah we're gonna make the shit out of this movie it's gonna be awesome and so it's a shame that um i don't love the movie even more than i did the first time the first time i watched it i came away at like a an eight out of ten which is awesome and i i think that there's enough good stuff here that the movie even like should have been more than that on a first watch and now it's probably more like a a seven out of ten for me, and it should be more than that too. Um, and it just it just is a shame that it, it doesn't quite get there. But making a movie is hard. Making a movie is hard. Yeah, I think the diner scene is probably the highlight, just because it's it just really fucking escalates it. Though I will say the one kill that we didn't talk about in the breakout that I think I think of more than the window is uh getting your mouth stabbed to death. Yeah, it's fucking deep, gross. Deep pleasant. Even like the the bullet shot to like the side of the mouth. Oh, the that jaw. effect is so good. Yeah, like oh. when to Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That effect is so good. Yeah, it's some Evan Byer shit. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, and I will say, uh, just because we haven't touched on it much, um, but we're we don't have infinite time today, despite you know what we would prefer. Um, I think. The performances are generally generally pretty good, you know. I think everybody's kind of doing the job. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the scene where uh, where he gets shot in the car and where he's like shouting at her as they're driving away uh, and just sort of losing it. Um, I think that's probably my favorite uh, bit of acting in the whole movie. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Yes, I love that too. I think that feels like a perfect climax and i i guess i just wish that there were more hints of that beforehand i, yeah. I think that it still could have been effective if you had hinted at it and i i think that that would have made it then make more sense where after this outburst um you get him being like a whole lot uh a whole lot colder um after he's been shot like i just i just wish there was a bit more to it um but yeah, yeah ama- amazing acting. I, I I absolutely loved him, and that outburst was awesome. Yeah, I agree. I just uh, I also think both um, the mom and the sheriff are good as well. Yeah, and we don't see a ton of them, but both very like dedicated. I think to yeah how strongly they feel because they both really only have one conviction, but they both feel so strongly about it, and it really comes through. Yeah, I agree. I think like of the mom's performances, I think the 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 part where she breaks into the institution that they're in and like starts fucking shit up behind the scenes is really good. Um, where she's like running through the halls shrieking, that's great. Yes, yeah, I think that's a really cool. Um, I love that dichotomy of like normally you get um a parental figure go in and they're gonna be sensible or they're gonna like pull their punches, and she's just like, nope she uh 
she just is acting like as almost as insane as a lot of people that are in the institution or as a lot of the uh, people who work at the institution. Um, and I totally understand why these great actors signed on to this movie. Like if you go on the Wikipedia page and check out um, just the character list, it's one of those character lists that that's has, like really filled in. Yeah, it has information about like why the actors, you know, um, picked up uh, on this. Like uh, Lily Taylor, who plays the mom, actually says here, what attracted me to Leatherface was really talking with the directors. They wanted to do something that was a cross between Terrence Malick, like Badlands, and the Virgin Suicides. I thought I'm there because what I love is this uh, stuff that's happening with people pushing a genre as far as they could push it. And I, I think they were, she's totally right to feel that way. I think that the stuff is in this movie, um, but it is not, uh, it's not as fully realized a piece as those movies. And I yeah, think that that comes, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that comes from uh, a whole, a whole lot of different things. Like I don't doubt the director's, intent um I, I don't doubt their talents and i don't doubt the the actors talents in this movie i just think some stuff kind of got lost but like the actors are all giving it their all and that often comes from someone believing in the material you know and i think the material um is here but i think i i i kind of think the movie is also like too short for its own good like it doesn't feel rushed in fact a lot of it feels kind of slow in, in as they're cutting from some of these plots to other plots but i think if it had been mapped out in the edit a bit more i think this could have been a longer movie and actually might have fixed some of my complaints because these characters would have had more moments to uh communicate where they're coming from yeah, no, I agree with that. I can totally see that. Release the Mori and Bastillo cut. <laughs> get, let's get some fucking Twitter bots rolling. Let's get it going. We'll see what we get. I really want to know what you guys thought of the music in that last scene. Did that strike you? I don't even remember it. I don't remember it. Wow. Okay. Um, for me, that was like the thing that mi- the first time I watched it, ending on that scene with that song playing, it's like a 60s or 50s style song with a woman oh, singing yeah. um, as uh, this newly formed Leatherface is making this mask. It's absolutely haunting. And that last scene was like what made me think, okay, I, I didn't actually, I didn't get down with everything in this movie, but I liked this movie because of that impression that that last scene showed to me. I totally mark out when a movie has like uh, some sort of effective song, not just score, but like some sort of song right at the end of the movie. Um, uh, and it, it recontextualizes the song and this one totally hit like that song. I was thinking about that for like a week after I watched the movie. I think it is totally awesome. And I looked it nice. up and the song is like, it's not even like a, uh, a popular song that was redone, which a lot of movies are doing. Now you take a popular song and you either use that version or you, uh, get like a slow, creepy you, you cover make it of it. All slow. Yeah. And that is a yeah. different thing to me. I don't like that as much, but this is like a song that didn't, doesn't have like many hits on YouTube. It seems like it was like a mostly obscure song that came out in the sixties. Um, but What's they it just called? Like found the perfect use for it. I think it's called, 
it's over but that's because uh, that's what they say most of the time yeah it's by patty lasalle it's called it's over and it's from 1960 hmm. like this isn't a song with a wikipedia page or anything like that and but you it's go set on... in 1955 <laughs> yeah um it's not diegetic and uh yeah if you go on the comments it's just like most people are just like yo shout out leatherface um and i just i think that's really cool Nice. And now it's over. Now it's over. Just like the song says. Um, Are we doing anything? What's up with our movie pick and choosing this season? Well, we got to we gotta give Mitch a pick, I think. It this is guy, my pick, yeah. This guy has been um, waiting. The movie that I am picking is a childhood favorite. It is. So I don't have to ask you how you feel about it then? Uh... Well, I said it's a childhood favorite. I didn't say yeah. favorite now, but it is the Three Musketeers, not the Disney movie. There's another one um, that's more obscure. It's from the it's from the '90s, um, but yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, I might have some guests on, but we'll see. It might not it might not be this one, but uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to line this one up. I feel like it could be a golden app, a Cody Banks two app. Um, <laughs> So yeah, why are you saying that like a threat? A Barton Fink feeling. I, <laughs> I think it could be a golden app, but if it's not, I'll drop an engine block on your fucking face. We didn't talk about that in the app enough. The good. fact that she gets an engine block dropped on kill. her. It's a bad use of an engine block, I think. Yeah, in this economy, they practically grew on trees in the fifties, though. True. Yeah, they were just handing that shit out at like bar mitzvahs and stuff. <laughs> you just got an engine. Congratulations, you've won an engine. <laughs> and then your brother's like, cool, I just won the chassis of a car, so this really works out. Yeah. Okay, Three Musketeers, probably. Probably. Presumably. It might be the movie that started my love for Bucklers, now that I think about it. Holy shit. Damn. Whoa. Eat your heart out, uh, fucking... I almost said James Cameron, which is not... <laughs> you know what, fuck <laughs> it. Eat, eat your heart out, James Cameron. I mean, he can do that anyway, but you know. What, you don't like James Cameron? No comment. What did he do? I mean, you did no make comment. a comment. You made a comment. What did he do? Uh, no comment. <laughs> Liam, what did he do? I want my lawyer. Liam? Uh, he made, like, uh, at least two more Avatar movies. He did He did take a submarine to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh. Oh, come on. Uh. Give me some of that Barton Fink feeling. <laughs> I've got no inspiration. Uh, you're going to need to find some. I'm sitting in this We're on a deadline. room thinking of what I'm going to write. You got to write a wrestling picture. Yeah, a wrestling picture. The, what does he say? The, the common man. No, the I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway. Ah. Uh. Damn, that's really all we're going to get. Not the highest energy one of his exits that we've gotten, but they'll come. we got to warm back up. It's been a whole year. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you want to plug? 
I have a film writing alter ego named Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. You can find on Letterboxd. The username is Graham the Mallow. If you try to find him on Twitter anymore, he'll uh, drop an engine block on you. I'm anti-Twitter now. Did something happen? Did Jeff, Jack, Twitter do something? No, I I just forgot to mention it. And so I've got to assume that my subconscious is trying to tell me something. So Mm. I'm going with my gut. Right. Anti. Honestly, understandable. Twitter sucks. Um, you can listen to the two other podcasts that I do. There's MK Podcast with our friend Neil about all kinds of Mortal Kombat stuff. And there's uh, Strat 2 with our friend Callum about all kinds of uh, Formula 1 stuff. If you want to check those out. They're all over the internet. Uh, I'm also at Mr. Corey Price on all this stuff, but mostly Twitter. If you try to follow me on any of the rest of it, you probably won't get in. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on the letterbox at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and the inspiration that Mitch should use to refine that Barton Fink feeling. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we will all for one, one for all next week with the three Musketeers. <laughs> they made another one.